0: Welcome to mini episode 141 of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have five spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from August the 18th 2021 and story number one comes from Mary. My husband and I were grocery shopping. I went to grab a milk carton from the shelves and my husband said, why are you getting 1% milk? The 2% is right there. Now for clarification, we've been together for 15 years at this point. It's been 1% milk for 15 effing years. I'm standing there with a jug of milk in hand, staring at him like the joke is going to end and he's just fucking with me. But no, it turns into a very serious discussion about how, to his mind, it's always been 2% milk. We had fights about this. We got home and I went through the recycling bin just to prove that we got 1% milk. Only 2% cartons were in there, his mom, who only bought 1% lactose-free milk for 15 years, suddenly had 2% lactose-free milk in the fridge, and she claimed she had only ever served her kids 2% milk. Now, in the grand scheme of things, I don't care about the 1% or 2% milk, but I do wonder what the fuck happened. Did I slip into an alternate timeline? Is this still the version of my husband that I married? Are they just fucking with me? There are often little things that are off, The pattern on the silverware, the labels on computer files that I remember labelling myself are slightly different, the colour of something or a sequence of events. So many little things that are just that wee bit off. I can tally all the off things up and it's extremely disconcerting. I try to ignore anything that feels off now. There's a part of my mind that believes that I stepped into a side reality and that part is worried that I have a metaphorical rope tied around my waist that at some point will go taut and like a cartoon character, I'll get yanked back to 1% husband life. How much did I miss? I had to Google what 1% and 2% milk actually meant. I had an idea that it was to do with the fat content, but I didn't want to make an idiot out of myself, you know? And I would be thinking, I want to be in the timeline where it's full fat milk that's what i that's the timeline i want to be in where it's full fat milk all of the time but it is funny like it's it seems so insignificant but but stuff like milk and the type of milk that you buy is actually really important in some households like i would never buy low fat or skimmed milk or one percent or two percent or whatever i always buy whole milk but i know there's people that will only buy skimmed milk or semi-skimmed milk. And it is a thing, like it's a habit that you get into that you only buy that, that type of milk. So I would be really freaked out if I suddenly found out that I'd been buying a different milk all these years. I'd be like, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. And look, there's so many theories about the amount of universes that there are and the amount of timelines that exist. I don't know, I don't know. I wouldn't think about it too much because you'll just end up freaking yourself out. I feel like there was a time slip story with a guy who noticed that the lamp in his house was a bit different and then sort of everything just fell apart a little bit. Uh, So I just, yeah, I just wouldn't think about it. Sometimes it's easier to ignore these things and be grateful for the extra 1%. And story number two comes from Ishita. I've had many experiences throughout my life, especially in the last house my family used to live in. We lived in a 3 BHK house, which had this one separate room and the rest were attached to each other. The wall in between was removed and it had one sliding door that was usually open all the time. I used to sleep in the first room with my grandmother, with my feet facing the sliding door, on the other side of which my parents slept. As a kid of 10 years old, I was very fascinated by horror stories, movies and TV shows. This was one night after I'd watched an exciting horror movie and went back to sleep. In the middle of the night, I woke up with a feeling of someone watching me. I did not actually get up, but my eyes were wide open. I looked around, and nothing was unusual until I looked at the sliding door. There was a woman slightly above the ground in a white gown with her hair down. I could not see her face, as in place of her face, there was just a dark mass. She had nothing on her face, but I could still make out that she was staring at me. This continued for a week, as I convinced myself it was an effect of watching so many horror movies. I stopped watching anything horror for a while, but this routine continued. After about two weeks, I told my parents about it, and they replied what I had expected them to. Stop watching all that horror. It's getting into your head and messing with you. I asked them if I could sleep with them for a while. Everything was fine for a while, but suddenly out of nowhere I saw her once again, this time facing me in the opposite room, in my parents' room. I stared at her as long as I could hold my eyes open. After that day I stopped seeing her and no sign of her ever again. I think my parents hid the truth from me when I was little. I once heard my mom also had some experiences of someone knocking at the door at night and seeing a woman with no face. The second incident happened when I was 13 years old. My grandfather had died recently. I was not getting enough sleep because of grief and thoughts of him still being around. I dreamt of him talking to me. After a week or so I was tired enough to have a sound sleep. I am not a morning person. I usually get up late if my alarm doesn't wake me. It was clearly 3am and I remember the time because I looked at the clock to make sure I had time to sleep before getting ready for school. And I heard my grandfather's voice calling for help, and I literally got up to leave for the source of the voice when I stopped and realised that he was no more, and this might be a dream. I looked at the clock and moved back to sleep. After half an hour, at 3.30 I woke up again and saw a human figure standing a couple of inches away from my bed. It was not very opaque, more like a faded shadow that resembled a human figure, At first, I thought I was dreaming, so I rubbed my eyes and looked twice, and it was still there. I was so scared that I covered myself in my blanket and started praying to every god I knew to make this thing go away. After about 10 minutes, I gathered up all my courage to take a peek out of my blanket and the thing was gone. Nothing like this or anything else happened after that. In regards to the first story, the woman with the dark face, she can just get in the bin. Just get in the bin, there's no need for her. And to have this dark face going on, hovering a few inches above the ground, no, it's it's overkill. It's not necessary. Secondly, I'd kind of like to think that the second one maybe was your grandfather just coming back to check in on you and make sure that you were okay. But again, like I've said previously, I do wish that the dead would find a, a, a less threatening, less creepy way to check in on us. That'd be nice. And straight number three comes from Elizabeth. I was born and raised here in National City, California, in an old Victorian house on 24th Street. My mom used to tell me stories how she used to hear things in the house. But since I was born in that house, I always felt like I had a strong bond to the house. I would always hear things in the house. And one time I had invited friends over to spend the night. And we decided to play the Ouija board. And next thing you know, the electricity blew out in the house and it started lightning and thundering rain, which rarely ever happened here. It scared my friends so bad that they refused to come and stay the night again. The biggest thing that shocked me to this day in my old house was when I was in my teens. My family left for Missouri, and I stayed behind to watch our house. I heard noises upstairs, and I thought I accidentally locked my mom's cat Baby upstairs. So I walked out the front door, turned right to the side of the house, went up the stairs and unlocked the door. I looked up at the staircase behind the door and a croquet ball came bouncing down right at me. Luckily it missed me, but I blew it off. I went up the second staircase, turned right, checked the front room and there was nothing. No cat and the windows were shut. I turned the lights off in there walked through the hallway, checked the bathroom and there was still nothing. Checked the bedroom, nothing. So I turned off the lights and walked into the kitchen, which was the last room upstairs. It was dark, so I went to turn the light on, thinking I was going to have Baby looking at me to feed him. But instead, there was a lady in an 1800s gown, staring at me with an umbrella in her hand. She looked confused and startled at the same time. I didn't know what to think. I went totally blank. She kept staring at me and then started walking and disappeared into the wall. I couldn't believe what I saw. I turned the light off and ran downstairs and called my mom and told her what happened. I found out that my house was built in the 1800s. It was the first ranch house in National City. People would live downstairs, being men, women and children, and they would work in the olive trees across the city at the time, upstairs was the kitchen. One day, a guy that was supposed to clean out the chimney didn't do it right, and when everyone was sleeping, the smoke filled the downstairs. Everyone was found dead the next morning. It explains a lot of the noises in the house, the talking and the kids giggling when no one else was home. That almost sounds like a time slip, rather than... A ghostly apparition. I know there's lots of ghostly stuff going on in the house. Like the flinging of the croquet ball. The sounds of children. The footsteps. The noises etc etc. But the fact that the ghost. The lady in the 1800s dress. Saw you. And also looked confused and startled. Means that at some point in the 1800s. Was there a woman who went. I think I just saw a ghost upstairs. And she was dressed in the strangest clothes. I mean maybe all of our ghostly sightings are just time slips. Maybe that's what it is. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. And story number four comes from Linda. We purchased our dream retirement home in Idaho last year. But before we made an offer, my husband asked me if we would be the only ones residing there. And this story is the second reason that he asked me that. The first reason was in a lengthy email I sent in late July. We were married in Sacramento, California on a Saturday, and my husband had to report to his temporary duty station in Jacksonville, North Carolina, Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune on Monday, the fastest 3,000-mile honeymoon ever. We had our kitty Lefty with us, but in North Carolina, you cannot have a pet with you in a hotel room, and the temporary quarters on the base had the same policy. We kept Lefty undercover for a couple of days, but we could not keep it up, so we had to board him with a vet office, which we did not know. So as soon as we finished all the check-in requirements on base, we turned to finding a place to live ASAP. We could not tolerate leaving our precious little Lefty locked up in a cage in a strange place any moment longer than we absolutely had to. We moved into a duplex in a neighbourhood where other marine families rented, It was a really nice place, but I was not comfortable with it. But because Lefty was my priority, I held my tongue and signed the lease papers. I did not say anything to my husband, but I knew there was something already residing there. I hoped I would be the only one to notice, and it was only for nine or ten months. What's the worst that could happen? I tried to ignore my uneasy feelings of being watched and never being alone. Showering was awful. I always left the door open because I felt like I was trapped if I didn't. I tried to convince myself I was misreading the situation. I was uneasy just because everything in our lives had changed so quickly. I just needed time to catch up. But the longer we lived there, the more things accelerated, until I could no longer deny we were not alone, and my husband understood what was going on without me saying a word. He and the ghost eventually had it out. Things went from uncomfortable to weird and horribly stressful for our poor Lefty. I could tell that he could see or sense what my husband could not, and he could zero in on where the issue was, where I just had a general knowing that we had a ghost for a roommate, but Lefty seemed to know exactly where it was standing or lurking. Neither Lefty or I were comfortable in the office. I did not go in unless I had no choice and my husband was home. We did not want Lefty to go outside, but forcing him to stay in the house 24 7 produced really abnormal behaviour from him. He would do everything he could to try and get out. He got out once, and when we were finally able to catch him, he fought with all his might, claws, and teeth not to be brought back to that house. Before this, Lefty was the chillest Maine coon we've ever had. Previously, he did not care if he went out or not, and when he did go out, it was to hang out in the garage or on the patio. In California we lived on half an acre, but he was never really interested in catting around. He just chilled out on the rear patio occasionally taking a nibble from the catnip plant that I'd grown in a pot for him. The worst thing that happened with my poor baby was completely unbelievable, and felt a bit ritualistic. In fact, we began to refer to it as kitty rituals. One morning I heard lefty growling and snarling. I ran out of the bedroom and at the other end of the hall, in front of the opened office door, there were a pair of my husband's rolled up socks, a crocheted dog head that was the top half of a nail polished bottle cover and one of his cat toys laid out in a perfect line and Lefty was crouched at the end of this display snarling. The biggest problem, I had put the crocheted nail polish cover in a donation bag inside the front entry closet which I don't think we ever opened after we finished setting up the house. I could not figure out how he got a hold of it. I tried to reason that my husband must have given it to him to play with. I put things back where they belonged, fighting to get Lefty out of the closet when I had to open it. This kept happening, and the cries that my poor baby would make were primal and desperate. It was frightening, and I knew there was nothing I could do to help him. After finding this altar a few times, I got frustrated. I thought Lefty was stealing the socks from Dale's drawers. Since the day we rescued him, my grandmother cat sat him while we were at work because he needed to be bottle fed. I'd wrap his bottle and favourite toy in a little hobo handkerchief and he'd carry it into my grandmother's house. It was too freaking cute. He'd carry his little hobo scarf everywhere we took him. He also used to steal paper money and hide it in his cat condo. So we knew if money, socks, etc. were missing, the cat condo was the first place we'd look. But this was different. When I frustratedly asked my husband why he kept giving Lefty the crocheted dog head, he said he had never given it to him. My husband asked me why I kept putting the socks that he had put in the donation bag back in his drawer. What started out as a little testy spat ended up with us staring at each other with our mouths hanging open, trying to process this new realisation. Shortly after we moved in, my husband answered our doorbell to find a fellow on the doorstep. They talked a bit and the man left. My husband said that he was the previous renter and wanted us to know there was something wrong with the water heater. He said to keep the bill reasonable, we should turn the water heater off at the fuse box in the kitchen when we didn't need hot water to shower. My husband thought nothing of it but I thought it was weird. And then there was the bathroom. I hated the bathroom. I'd leave the door open when I showered because I always felt trapped. I knew I was not alone. In my mind, I knew there was something always standing in the doorway. I also never completely closed the shower curtain because I knew if I did, I would see him standing outside the shower watching me. I made peeing fast an art form And I'd pull the door open as quick as I was done and then wash my hands in the kitchen because I was so afraid I'd look in the mirror and see him. I never used the bathroom to do my hair and makeup for the same reason. One night I asked my husband to build a fire. He said he'd have to clean it first and he had to study. I took half a dozen steps back into the living room and there was a fire in the fireplace. It had been three or four nights since our last fire so what was left over was cold as ice, but there it was, burning. I grabbed Lefty, went to the bedroom and did not move from my bed until I had to get to school the next day. For some reason, the bedroom and the kitchen were the only areas where I didn't feel its presence. The final event that left us with no doubt was the fire alarm. After several months of things accelerating, the fire alarm started beeping three times every night right after we fell asleep. It was enough to wake us, but because it was only three beeps, we didn't bother to get up. Three beeps once a night turned into more beeps in the middle of the night, the middle of the day, etc. We contacted the rental office and they kept promising to send their handyman over to install a new alarm, but no one ever showed up. The last straw came about a week before we were moving back to California. My husband and the ghost had it out. My husband was busy studying for his final exams for the school that he was going to on base. I was studying for my college final exams and packing up the house. We were stressed, a bit sleep deprived and were frantically moving to get the hell out of there. One night the smoke alarm beeped three times and my husband lost his shit. He sat up in bed and yelled... Fuck you to no one. The alarm beeped again. He said that's it and jumped out of bed. The detector began to give off an ear-splitting steady scream. My husband left the bedroom yelling obscenities the whole time. The alarm did not stop screaming. I ran after my husband and told him to stop challenging it. My husband grabbed the alarm off the wall. And that's when we realised that the alarm was hardwired to the house. There were no bad batteries. My husband ripped the alarm off the wall, then got a knife and cut the wires. The thing finally stopped. All three of us were beyond freaked. The house was quiet, but there was very little sleep that night. Our exams were done, so the stress levels dropped to zero. We called the rental office about the alarm, but still no one showed up. In its place, things would fall. Noises that we could not associate with anything in the house started happening and the air in the house was oppressive. Once the garbage disposal turned on by itself. It was all too much. The movers finally showed up, they packed up the house and we practically ran out of there as they packed the last of our belongings. We did not check out with the rental office. We did not do a walkthrough. We threw Lefty, his cat box, our luggage, and other travel supplies into the car and left that driveway as quickly as we could. I realised that we had left Lefty's water and food dish behind. My husband said there was no way in hell we were going back to get it. We did not stop driving until we reached a state that allowed pets into the hotel rooms. We were exhausted, but we've never slept so good. We woke up in the morning and Lefty was in the adjacent bed with his little head on the pillow and the bed spread over him. He had tucked himself in and he was sleeping so peacefully. We knew that he was good and that we'd be alright. Many years later, one of my sisters was in town visiting from another state. For some reason, hauntings came up. I told her the story and mentioned how every morning I had to flip the water heater circuit breaker and wait a bit to shower and then turn it off again before I left the house and then back on again to do the dishes and the laundry, etc. My husband had a look on his face only I had seen. He quietly said that he never turned the water heater off. Talk about a pregnant pause. I said very funny, but he very seriously said that he had neither turned the heater on in the morning nor did he turn it off at night after he showered. Our kids, my sister, her kids and my husband were dumbstruck. No one said anything. We were just sat there in silence until someone else came into the room and broke the silence. Nieces, nephews and my sister have occasionally asked me to repeat the story. My husband would get up and say that he can't hear that story again and leaves the room. My final story, at this time, is about my grandma, the most important person in my life. So important that she was my matron of honour at my wedding. Even my best friend of decades thought that was absolutely the right person to stand up for me at my wedding and bear witness to our marriage on our marriage licence. I called my grandma from North Carolina one night around Christmas time. I got off the phone and told my husband we had to get home as quickly as possible, that grandma was sick and that I thought I might lose her. He asked what she had said and I told him she did not say anything, but I knew she was very sick. We stayed with her after returning to California. I told my husband I wanted to stay there until she was healthy again or she passed away. I told her I thought she needed to get a checkup, but she didn't know why I was saying that. I told her that I loved her dearly and was worried about her, and I asked her to do it for me. She went. She had cancer. Surgery was futile. I lost her less than a year later. I miss her every day. But she has come to me only once. I knew I'd truly never see her again, and I have not. If it didn't make you feel so uncomfortable, I would say that whatever in the house kind of weirdly sounded like it was trying to help. Like it lit the fire for you when you needed it, tried to lower your water bill. We all need that at the moment. Try to play with the cat, which obviously really upset the cat and didn't make the cat very happy, so probably not the best thing in the world. But it sounds like whatever it was, try to be I mean watching you in the shower is that that's not good. That's that's never a good thing. I wouldn't be happy with that. And I think if when you're really close to somebody you do develop connections that are that can almost seem otherworldly. Like just knowing that something's not right Knowing that something's wrong Knowing that that person is sick Especially when you've got strong familial, familial connections And story number 5 comes from Vanessa Throughout my life I've had many paranormal experiences My mother always said it was because she played with a Ouija board when she was younger And it opened the gates to somewhere And ever since then things have followed her In the house she grew up in her family saw many ghosts in their everyday lives. They would see soldiers marching through their living room, women and children crying in their front lawn, and their lights and appliances would turn off and on of their own accord. Once when my aunt was home alone, my grandfather's alarm clock went off. Weird, she thought, since it was the afternoon. But she went to check it out and found that it was already switched to off. She turned it on and off again, and then went back to what she was doing. As she sat back down on the couch, the alarm went off again. This time, she pulled the plug on the alarm clock to ensure that it would not go off again. Before she even made it out of the room, the alarm went off again. She was terrified and decided to wait outside for someone else to get home. The first time my dad experienced something paranormal with my mother was when they were newly dating. My dad drove up to my mom's house and saw her smile and wave in the window. My dad smiled and waved back and walked up to the door. My grandfather answered the door and told my dad that my mom wasn't home. My dad was upset that my grandfather was lying to him, but decided to wait in his car for my mom. Minutes later, my mom drove up and parked in the driveway. My dad told her what he saw in the window, and my mom awkwardly admitted that things like that happen a lot around her. A couple of years later, my parents married and had me. When I was around a year old, my parents heard me scream. Then I ran into their room. I couldn't talk yet, so they couldn't ask me what happened. After they calmed me down, my dad went into my room to find out what upset me. The only thing he saw out of place was my doll face down in the middle of my room. My dad picked it up and noticed right away that the doll had human-like facial features. The doll's wide eyes were rapidly looking around the room with its eyebrows raised and its mouth moving. My dad threw the doll at the wall, then picked it up with a bag and threw it in the outdoor trash bin. We all went to the church the next day, and the priest told my dad that the doll was likely a demon. They invited the priest into our home and he blessed and prayed over it. Nothing that intense happened again in the home. Small things often happened to my sister and I, like our hair being pulled, us was being pushed from behind, and we both sometimes saw my mom or our siblings, but it turned out they weren't even home. I remember clearly seeing my mom opening our back door, and when I asked her a question, she answered. From her bedroom. The other mom disappeared when she answered. I never saw her as clearly again, but I would see her briefly as she turned a corner or I would see a dark figure that seemed to follow us around. One night when I was around 17 years old, I woke up because I felt my blanket being pulled down. I slowly brought it back up to my chin, hoping it was just slipping, or maybe I was dreaming that it was falling. But then something grabbed my ankle and pulled me out of the bed and onto the floor. I ran into my parents' room and slept in between them, not caring that I was way too old to be doing this. When I was young, my grandmother loved to take us to visit my great-grandmother in Mexico. Her house was spooky. My sister and I did not like going, and we always made sure to stick together. We didn't like being in a room alone. Even using the bathroom was terrifying. My sister and I would accompany each other in the bathroom at times, especially during showers. Most of the paranormal things that happened there were small events, like seeing things move in the corner of our eyes, or hearing what sounded like nails running along the walls. But the sound would continue through door frames, so it couldn't possibly be something in the walls. One day, my cousins and I were in my great-grandmother's kitchen. In the kitchen, there was a screen door that led onto an enclosed patio. My cousins and I were talking, until one of my cousins had a terrified look on her face, and she slowly pointed to the screen door behind us. We all turned to look, and in the enclosed patio was a Raggedy Ann doll. She was standing on the top of a box, with her body facing the door to the backyard, but her head facing in our direction. We stared at each other for a while, until she started running towards the back door. My cousins and I took off running and told my grandmother what happened. She came with us to investigate, but could not find the doll, and it has been missing ever since. I'm not sure if this was during the same trip or another time but one night I had trouble falling asleep so my grandmother told me to watch TV in the living room until I got tired. I turned on the TV and was sad that there weren't any cartoons on since it was the middle of the night. In the corner of my eye I saw a woman in a long white nightgown standing in the doorway and at first I assumed it was my great grandmother but I was surprised I hadn't heard her because she is very old and grunts when she walks. I turned to her to explain why I was watching TV this late, but then I saw that it was not my grandmother. The woman was floating and filled the entire doorway. I couldn't see her face, but she lifted her hand to point to me and dragged out the word Nina, which means little girl in Spanish. I threw the blanket over my head and ran back to my grandmother's bed and cried myself to sleep. When I was around 18, I visited my grandmother in Texas. I walked into her house and she asked me angrily, who is that with you? I told her there was nobody there, it was just me. No, I saw someone with you, who is he? She pushed me out of the way and walked into the back room and looked around for the person. She didn't find anyone, came back and told me, when you walked in I saw a tall man with a black coat standing behind you. When I asked you who he was he walked off into the back room. There's no one there now. I hated visiting her after that. My dad had his own experiences that he hesitantly shared with us. My favourite is the story of Bobby. My dad used to be a truck driver. He drove all around the country so he usually worked three weeks on and two weeks off. One night he was driving down a very dark and quiet interstate. The streetlights didn't seem to be working that night. As my dad was driving, he passed by an abandoned truck. A few miles later, he saw a man walking down the road. He pulled up to him and rolled down the window. Sir, do you need a ride? The man replied and said that he would be very grateful. My truck is broken down just down the road, he said. I was headed to the nearest gas station, which is just about five miles down this way. He hopped in my dad's truck and they chatted on the way to the gas station. The nice fellow introduced himself as Bobby. Five miles came and went. Ten miles, fifteen miles, no gas station. It wasn't until 30 miles down the road that the first gas station came to sight. My dad pulled in and Bobby said, I really appreciate this. Could I get you a cup of coffee as a thank you? My dad told him not to worry about it and Bobby got out of the truck and went on his way. My dad waited a bit and then decided to get his own coffee. He walked into the gas station and everyone in there started to quiet down. My dad walked over to the coffee machine and he could feel that all eyes were on him. Finally, one of the men spoke up. Hey man, what are you doing way out here? We don't have a lot of people stop by. My dad replied. I was just giving a ride to a man whose truck broke down not too far from here. I thought I'd grab a coffee before I head back out. The men all looked at each other and my dad started to get a weird feeling. The man asked quietly. Was it Bobby? My dad said yes, and again the silence grew, and my dad was feeling ill at this point, something just didn't feel right. The man didn't seem sure if he wanted to continue, but he did. There was a man years ago whose truck broke down, down this road. He was walking, but he was hit and killed. His name was Bobby, and every now and then, someone comes here to drop him off. My dad put his coffee on the counter and walked out. It was years before he could tell us this story and he was pale and shaking and he asked us never to bring it up again. I love a hitchhiker story. I mean, I know they're they're very sad, like, don't get me wrong. They always have a tragic story behind them, but they're so prevalent all over the world. I love hearing them, these stories of people stopping to help someone in distress or someone who just needs a hand or whose car is broken down and then that person died on that road many years earlier i just think those stories are amazing listen that doll sounds terrible i would be smashing it against a wall too i uh was recently in my sister's house and my niece had this doll that honestly was really freaky and i'm not afraid of dolls like I'm not afraid of dolls at all they don't bother me i currently have a vintage clown doll in my car who is greatly disturbing, but I quite like him. But my sister's daughter has this little doll and she's really freaky. And I looked at her and I thought, Christ, I would not have that in my house. She is quite scary, but my niece loves her. So there you go. And again, we are reigniting my paranormal activity fears of being dragged out of the bed by the leg. I, no matter what age I was, if that happened to me now, if I was dragged out of the bed by the leg, I think I'd get on a plane, fly to Ireland, and have to sleep in the bed between my parents because there's no way that I would be able to deal with that. No way whatsoever. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Mary, Ashita, Elizabeth, Linda, and Vanessa for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from August the 18th, 2021. If you would like to learn anything about Real Life Ghost Stories podcast, then you can do so by checking out the website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You will be glad to know that the main episodes will be back this sunday patreon will be back as normal thank you so much for your patience while i was taking a little break and i'm looking forward to getting back into it and on that note i shall see you next time